0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: It's Sunday, January 19, 2020, and Ari is at home. Her young daughter is sleeping upstairs. She's watching TV and trying to unwind. And then there's that fateful knock on the door.
2: She opens the door to a woman she's never seen before. And she said, I think you know someone named Mordecai Horowitz? And I said, oh, you better come in. And I think at that point, like, I just thought, okay, here we go. Like, I knew something that the shoe was going to drop, but here it is. And so she came in, and my first thought was, okay, well, she's calling Mordecai Horowitz, so she doesn't even know what I know. Aria knew by now that
1: Mordecai Horowitz was not her boyfriend's real name. It was Mark Ramsden. She also knew that Mark had lied about being from California. But before that knock on the door, Aria had decided to forgive him and thought she was Mark's one
2: and only. She said, he's been living with me since September. And I said, what do you mean living with you? And she says, in my, my one-bedroom condo. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. And I don't remember what, like, just the exchange from there. Like, she stood there for over an hour, I feel like. At a certain point, I sat down. She didn't want to sit down. She just stood there with her coat on in the front entryway. The woman who was at the door, she didn't want to be interviewed. But for
1: the sake of this story, I'm going to call her Patty. So, Patty, who stood in Aria's doorway on that cold January night, unable to sit down, lived with Mark. A few weeks before ending up at Aria's place, she had grown suspicious, worried her boyfriend, who she still knew as Mordecai, was starting something new with someone else. Her fears were confirmed when she heard him on the phone one night. He was talking to me like he was my boyfriend. Now Patty wanted to know who Mordecai
2: was talking to. He was saying he was working with a friend who was a screenwriter and who by day had a day job, so he could only go over at night to do overnight working on the screenplay.
1: Patty remembered that Mordecai would use her Uber account to go see this so-called screenwriter. So all she had to do was go into her app's history and see where he'd been going. And she did. She went to the address, and Patty saw Aria and Mordecai walking down the street towards Aria's house,
2: hand in hand. So she saw him, and she's texting him as if she's home, saying, oh, what do you want for dinner? Um, get, like, Like, pretending that she's not literally watching him. He got back from my house, and she confronted him. And as soon as he was gone, she came to my house. Aria and Patty talked for a long time on her doorstep.
1: Well, I mean, that Sunday was the last day I saw him. So that evening, Aria told Patty that the man she knew as Mordecai was actually Mark. And Patty told Aria that there were others. Patty hadn't just tracked Aria down. With a bit of digging, she'd actually found other women that Mark had lied to. Aria was freaking out. How many women had Mark been sleeping with while they were together? What was Mark's endgame? Was it about money? Was she in danger? Aria's mind was spinning. I'm Kathleen Goltar, and this is Do You Know Mordecai? Chapter 2, Sorry I Went AWOL. It's now Monday morning, January 20th, and Aria is still trying to grasp the news that literally arrived on her doorstep. Mark had deceived her twice. And it wasn't just about who he was, but he'd also been cheating on her. There was this woman, Patty, and Patty had found others. Mark's Pandora's box of lies was open.
3: He had a house in LA, and he
1: had a ranch, and he had this, and he had that. He said the ranch was nestled into the foothills.
4: And he gave really specific kind of geographical descriptions of the area. He told me that he was in Toronto as an artist, but going back to LA fairly frequently. He uh, said he was a writer. He described himself as a screenwriter from New York City. He was a special ops agent, and he was on secret covert missions. At one point, he actually texted me a screenshot of his banking app that showed investments of uh, six and a half million. They did blood tests and everything, and he's like, it's cancer. And
2: then when he made up that story about his son being sick, it was like, he gets it. He, and he's so good at acting it.
4: And then he said, OK, you know, I've been waiting to tell you
2: this, but my cancer is back. He presented himself as this kind of Jewish artist, man of the world. His mom and dad were Holocaust survivors. They had both died. He's very Jewish in
4: all of everything that he does, so he goes by Mordecai.
1: Over the next few weeks, Arya heard from more and more women. It was staggering. I remember getting calls from her, sometimes nearly every day. There's another one. He told her this. To keep track of Mark's lies and when their times with him overlapped, the women started a Google Doc, which they nicknamed the M-Files.
2: Kind of like the X-Files, like the mystery, the alien. I think it was better than saying survivors. I think we weren't ready to do that.
1: Ari and I became close friends after she broke up with my ex-husband there was a comfort in finding someone who had an intimate understanding of what I'd gone through with my divorce. And now Arya was finding that same thing with these women.
4: It was fine to begin with. It was sort of a slow start. And then a week or two, probably after we started, we first matched, we started chatting more. Here's one of
1: the women that Mark conned. And like the others, she asked us not to use her real name.
4: So we're calling her Carolyn. And I will remember one night in particular, I was walking home and he was uh, messaging me a lot. I was actually having trouble walking and texting at the same time. Um, but he was pretty persistent about keeping that chat conversation going. Carolyn also met Mordecai on a dating app. He was supposedly going to... LA for a couple of weeks. And so we didn't actually meet in person until into July. Carolyn had been dating online for a few years. After her divorce, it seemed like the only practical way to meet men. I tried a few different apps. Um, Tinder got to a point where it was just kind of gross. And then there was Bumble, which was fine. Uh, And then there was Hinge, which everyone was talking about as being uh, slightly different. So that's what I was on when I met Who I thought was Mordecai.
1: Carolyn and Mordecai had their first date in July, a meandering walk along Toronto's waterfront.
4: He seemed very awkward on the first date, but in a pretty normal first date kind of way, so I didn't think too much of it. Carolyn's relationship with Mark unfolded much the way it
1: did with Aria. What was different was that he was becoming more sophisticated with his lies, it was like he was evolving that his deceptions were becoming more fine-tuned.
4: He told me a story about how he had been doing some urban exploration and gotten into an area that he wasn't really supposed to be in, and the security guard had stopped him, and when he told him his real name, the security guard didn't believe him, and he had to show him his ID to prove that his name really was Mordecai Horowitz, Uh, for what that's worth.
1: This little detail seems to be worth a lot, actually. As is the timing of this story. Aria and Mordecai had broken up a few weeks before he told Carolyn about this supposed run in with the security guard. Aria had been asking for proof of his identity. She wanted to see where he lived. I think this story shows that he's adapting, learning from his mistakes. He was making sure that women didn't become suspicious of him by giving them answers even before they had questions. Of course, he had ID. He could prove his name was Mordecai Horowitz.
4: Carolyn had no reason to ask for more. So one of the other things that he said during that uh, date was, just in case we see any like um, rough looking guys or some homeless looking guys who recognize me, it's because I've been volunteering at the local homeless shelter and they might recognize me from there. There it was again,
1: another fake story to circumvent suspicion. When Carolyn first heard this story, it didn't strike her as weird. In fact, it sounded like he was a good person, working at a shelter and helping the less fortunate. We
4: chatted for ages. He can certainly talk your ear off. At the end of the night, he walked me back up to the King Street car, which was taking me home. And we passed by the Derby, which is the condo building that he said that he lived in. Uh, he said, you know, I would show you in, but it's the first date, and that would be a little presumptive of me.
1: Mordecai told Carolyn that his friend was staying at his apartment with his girlfriend. So
4: I figured that was considerate, and uh, got on the streetcar and went home. Like Aria, Carolyn was smitten. Goofy, I guess, is the the first word that would come to my mind. He wasn't He wasn't slick or smooth the way I always thought a con artist or a sociopath would be. Um, he was very funny. After
1: that first date, they met again a few more times. And Mordecai opened up. He told her he had a son, and that his wife had died of cancer. Although this seemingly huge detail was revealed rather flippantly.
4: In a text message, he mentioned sort of offhandedly that his um dead wife was an aries and i said oh i'm so sorry to hear that and he said oh uh, didn't i tell you uh, i'm a widower i said no you left that part out
1: their walks and coffee dates turned into dinners and soon enough they made plans to meet at carolyn's house
4: he started spending more and more time at my place
1: remember those little nuggets that mordecai would drop into conversations Bits of information that he would use later to bolster his stories. Like when Mordecai said that his friend was staying at his place. Well, now, apparently, that friend wouldn't leave. And he was having a hard time getting him out. Carolyn never questioned it, nor did she send Mordecai away. She was comfortable with him staying over.
4: And on some of those days, he would just be asleep uh, in my bed uh, the whole time. And he would sleep for hours. Hours and hours. And did he have a reason for why he was so tired? Um, the first, first reason I heard was that it was drug-induced anemia. I was in and out of house for most of the day all day and uh, was coming home quite, quite tired. But he was at the apartment the whole time.
1: Carolyn didn't mind him there. But there did come a time when she needed him
4: out, just for a couple of days. And I think that was a Thursday. Friday, I had to myself, and the whole time we're texting back and forth near constantly. Um, Sunday evening, he said that he was going to be getting a ride back down to my place. And he said, "Yep, it's quarter after eight. We'll be leaving at about nine. And that was the last I heard from him for the better part of a month. From a
1: guy who had just, a day earlier, been bombarding her with messages. All of a sudden,
4: nothing. So when he didn't text back, my initial response was, you fucking asshole, like, you owe me money and you're avoiding me. It wasn't a lot of money, but he had promised to pay her back for some food and booze that Carolyn had bought. And um, what is this shit? It was it was really a breaking point for me. Um, so I sent him a barrage of angry text messages. And then it was the next morning that I started to actually get concerned because at that point I was noticing that he really hadn't been online at all. I said either I've just been conned by the most limp dick con artist known to man or he's actually very ill uh, or something's gone wrong. And then she called the hospitals. I first called North York General and then Sunnybrook um, asking again for Mordecai Horowitz to see if anyone by that name had been checked in. And then a couple of days later, I called just about every other hospital in the city, just in case it hadn't been one of those. Didn't find him, and I think I called again.
1: Carolyn racked her brain for things Mordecai had told her about himself. Where could she search? Who could she talk to? Was he dead? Carolyn went to the two locations where Mordecai had told her that he had taught art.
4: I checked Both buildings, the directories on both, didn't see anything. With nowhere else to look, no more clues to chase down,
1: she mostly gave up. All she could do was keep an eye on his WhatsApp. He'd
4: been inactive for weeks. I noticed that, I think it was the Wednesday or something, uh, he did his um, last active change. It updated. He had been online at some point in the last day or so. And that happened a couple more times in the following week. So I realized that either somebody else was using his phone, or he was alive, just not responding to uh, to any of my texts. Two weeks later, Mordecai finally responded.
5: I'm sorry I went AWOL. I'm pretty sick. I know it's not fair. I got overwhelmed and pretty much went into a cave seriously tested my chill and radical acceptance. You did nothing wrong. It's on me, and I'm so sorry.
1: Mordecai went on to tell Carolyn a very detailed story about being transferred from one hospital to another, eventually ending up at Toronto's Princess Margaret, a hospital that specializes in cancer treatment.
5: I knew something wasn't right. Two weeks ago, or three maybe, I got a flu that I thought would end me. I was in the hospital for days. Almost in a coma.
4: He had been diagnosed with chronic myelogenous leukemia.
5: I have something called CML.
4: CML is a blood cell cancer. Once considered fatal, today,
1: it's beatable. Mordecai would live.
5: It's very treatable. It's just sucking badly. I'm on a few drugs that are not chemo.
1: He told Carolyn that his illness reminded him of the way it was when his wife first got diagnosed.
5: It was eerie how similar it was. She got a string of illnesses initially dismissed as being run down.
1: He also told Carolyn that he was
4: now back in L.A., being treated there. He was back on the ranch and being taken care of. So I decided at that point to forgive him, at least forgive him for what had happened and decide on where to take it from there as we went. Um... Which is what we ended up doing for the next uh, month and a half. So Carolyn took
1: him back, just like Aria did. How do these smart women keep giving this guy a second chance?
0: I'm David Kushner, and this is my brother John. Growing up in Florida in the early 70s, Kids were free to run around for hours outside. No plans, no cell phones, just a promise to be home before dark. When John was 11 and I was four, he biked away from our house, through the woods, to a store nearby. He was going to buy me my favorite candy, a little plastic alligator head filled with chewing gum. He pedaled off into the woods, but he never came back.
2: Maybe have a word with you, my dog.
0: I've been a journalist for decades, but the story I've chased the longest is about my brother John. The story of what happened to him.
3: I think the worst thing of the worst is that you never would find the person.
0: On one hand, I desperately wanted to find something. And on the other hand, I was absolutely terrified of finding something. And the story of what happened to our family and our town after he disappeared. A little boy simply goes from his house through some woods to go to get some candy at the 7-Eleven and never comes back. That is every parent's essential nightmare. When you realize that anything can happen, anytime, anywhere, How do you go on?
4: I just wanted to talk with other people who've gone through it. I felt isolated and
0: on Mars. I believe now, looking back, it was absolutely to try to find some answers. And here I am searching for some kind of answer and how the hell do you continue? This is Alligator Candy. Coming this May, a new podcast from UCP Audio and Transmitter Media. Follow and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
1: Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you.
0: I could stay here forever.
1: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. When I look back at the timeline we've put together, and we needed it to keep this all straight, Mark was juggling a number of women at the same time and managing to keep track of his multiple lies. So around the time that Mark was telling Carolyn that he was on his L.A. ranch getting cancer treatments, he was actually still in Toronto and back with my friend Aria. Of course, Carolyn didn't know that.
4: He had, uh, he had told me that he would uh, buy a ticket for me and fly me down to L.A., and the plan was for me to go on my birthday, and I would stay for a week, which would take me into American Thanksgiving. I don't think
1: by now you'll be all that surprised to hear that this trip never came together.
4: The week before I was supposed to leave, he was giving me excuse after excuse after excuse about why he wasn't able to buy the ticket. First, he wanted to buy it on points, and he wanted to transfer the points to me, and that wasn't working properly. And then he wanted to buy the ticket with cash, but they wouldn't accept cash for a ticket. Then the day before, he was saying, "Okay, I'm just going to get a credit card finally, and found that his credit card had expired, and so he had to go to the bank and sort all that out. And from there, he was going to go straight to the Burbank airport and get a ticket for me. And I said, "Okay, well, I'm going to go to the airport and wait. Carolyn went to the airport. She waited at the airport. No ticket ever came. I had, I was texting with him, of course. He said that there was some much bigger issue with their bank account, which was what was causing this. So I gave up. I went home. And thinking again that they were going to get this sorted out somehow, I spent the next 36 hours or so packed and ready to go at any time. And didn't end up going anywhere, of course.
1: I was just done. Carolyn had given him way too many chances. And being stranded at the airport, well, that was the last humiliation. She was pissed. And while Carolyn may have been done with Mordecai
4: romantically, holy shit, she was not done with him. There was an address that he had given me, um, or that I had found, In Shadow Hills, that's the neighborhood in LA where Mordecai had said he had a
1: ranch. He had given her two street names: Tuxford Avenue and Wayside.
4: Yeah, so I'd googled the Wayside uh, address, the street, and found that it was really short and a switchback, so it had houses only on one side for the most part. And so I just went through them one by one and googled each address and googled the people who showed up as being uh, listed as current. Um, residence, which is public knowledge. She looked up all the names she could remember Mordecai giving her. And I didn't see anybody of
1: any of those names. But she didn't stop there. Carolyn plugged every name that came up in the registry into Google Images.
4: I saw a picture of who I recognized as his late wife. So I clicked on that image and it took me to her active graphic design website, which was certainly strange. And I noticed that her she had links to social media on there, including Instagram. And I thought, okay, well, that doesn't make any sense because she's <laughs> supposed to have died um, seven years prior to that at a time when Instagram was not used that way. So, of course, I clicked on that and found that it was active and current and as I went through her Instagram page and then her Facebook page because that was open I saw that not only was she alive but she has a husband has had a husband for 10 years has a son um, who is seven years old
1: that husband was not Mordecai and that son was not his son I began this podcast because my friend Aria had fallen in love with a man named Mordecai. But now I was becoming obsessed with a man named Mark. How did Mark manage to deceive these women? Part of that answer has to be in LA. California looms large in Mark's stories. But had he ever been there? And who is this woman that he keeps passing off as his dead wife? That's next time on Do You Know Mordecai. Nice
2: to meet you. Nice to meet you. Come on in. What a wonderful place. Thank you. Oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm very nervous. I know. I, I guess I, I don't want to be judged. You know, from the beginning.
1: This podcast was written and produced by me, Kathleen Goltar, and Michelle Shepard. Our executive producer is Stuart Cox. Our associate producer is Alexis Green, with assistance from Abi Raheja and Dania Ali. Sound design and mixing by Mitchell Stewart. Our theme song is created by QuietType. This is a UCP Audio podcast in collaboration with Antica Productions. Our UCP Audio team includes Jessica Grimshaw, Jennifer Sears, Josh Block, and Amy Bell. For more information, go to our website at ucpaudio.com.
3: Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment.